You're listening to Starting Place, a podcast of Training the Church. I'm your host, Elizabeth Woodson, and this season we are doing a mini-series on how to study the Bible. In our first season, we talked about the story of the Bible, and I want to equip you with a few tools to help you study that story on your own. Now, if we think about Bible study as a four-step process, today we are going to discuss steps two through four, observation, interpretation, and application. My guest, Portia Collins, is going to both explain and demonstrate for us how to study the Bible using the inductive Bible study method. Similar to last week, this episode is going to feel like a mini masterclass. So make sure you have your Bible and the series handout handy so you can follow along with us. And if you haven't already downloaded the series handout, it is linked in the show notes. And it's going to be a great tool to help you take notes as you listen to my conversation with Portia. Hey, y'all. It is Elizabeth here, and I am here with my friend Portia Collins. She is joining us today to continue our conversation about how to study the Bible. We're going to talk about the inductive Bible study method. She's got a lot of great wisdom for us. But before we jump into that conversation, Portia, can you introduce yourself to the people who may not know the ministry work that you do? Absolutely. I'd be glad to. Well, my name is Portia Collins, and I make my home here in the Mississippi Delta, with my husband, Mikael, and our sassy five-year-old, Emery. We do life here, and I am I'm blessed to be able to work in a variety of ways. In 2016, I founded a women's ministry called She Shall Be Called. Over the years, I have developed a passion for helping women to discover who God is, according to the scriptures, and who God has called them to be. And I believe that the way that we see this and we understand this is through the study of scripture. And so our ministry is primarily focused on Bible literacy, helping women to understand what the Bible actually says and what it means. And so I am just, I'm blessed to be able to serve in that way. And I'm blessed for my She Shall Be Called sisters. So shout out to y'all. Also, I am privileged to serve, I would say, at Revive Our Hearts. I work in a dual capacity on the development side, in which development is just a fancy word for like fundraising. And so I correspond with our ministry partners, those who give on a monthly basis. We call them Revive Partners. And, you know, we are able to really come together and support the ministry. And I am kind of like their liaison, the liaison between the ministry and our our partners. And then another fourth of my job with Revive Our Hearts is hosting a weekly podcast and video cast called Grounded. My beloved two co-hosts that I, I work with are Dana Gresh and Aaron Davis. And we just offer hope and perspective weekly, uh, hope and perspective that is grounded in the word of God. And it's a joy to be able to do that. So shout out to my grounded sisters as well. (laughs) You know, I am really grateful for the work that you do with She Shall Be Called and Revive Our Hearts. But all the time I get asked, who can help me do these things? And I often will recommend them to check out She Shall Be Called because specifically you all do that in a group fashion. 
And so it's an opportunity yes. for people to not just study the Bible on their own, but study it in community with other people, which is hugely important. But it's just been really fun to see that thrive and then also get to, to participate uh, in that as well. I think I got a class coming up that I'm going to teach for y'all. And so I'm excited yes. about that Woo-hoo. too. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. <laughs> so today's conversation is the inductive Bible study method. And when I think about just ways in which I've grown over the years in studying the Bible, there's lots of different methods. And if you could see me, I have these air quotes of studying scripture. Yes. And so there's the SOAP method, which is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. There's the discovery method, which is just asking questions about what does this text tell me about who God is and who is humanity in this text and how can I respond to it and who can I tell about Mm -hmm. it? But there's one for me that has come up the most and has helped me the most Mm -hmm. when it comes to my personal understanding of scripture. And that is the inductive Mm -hmm. Bible study method. And so Portia, can you explain to us what that is and specifically why it helps us stick close to the original meaning of the text? Absolutely. I'd be glad to. You know, I am an inductive Bible study girl. I feel like it changed my life. Honestly, learning to study the Bible inductively really it was pivotal for me in terms of how I looked at the at the Bible and how I understood it. And so in a nutshell, I guess you could say the three big pillars for inductive Bible study is interpretation, observation, and application, okay? And so these are the three, like I said, umbrellas that you want to operate under. Under the observation uh, stage, this is where you are doing exactly what it says. You are observing the text. I liken this, this particular step or phase as You know how some of us go to parks and we watch, we people watch, we see what's going on. And like we we just observe all these different things. The woman over there, you know, pushing her daughter on the the swing, the person running laps around the park. Like you're observing and you're making note of all these things that you see. Well, that's exactly what you're going to do with the text. You are going to observe what is going on. And at this point, this is also where you will probably make notes or annotate the text. And so like every time you see Christ mentioned, you could underline it or put it. I like to put a little cross beside Christ. Or every time you see maybe like I think about uh, the beginning of John, the gospel according to John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Like word, because I'm seeing that repeated over and over, I'm like, okay, my ears kind of, you know, perk up and I'm going to start underlining and making notes of these repeated phrases or different things that I'm observing in the text. And then we get to the interpretation phase. This is that second big pillar. This is where we say, okay, what does the Bible mean? And it's not what does the Bible mean to me? Is what does the Bible mean according to God? What was his intended meaning for the scriptures. Okay. And so this is where I often tell people that the interpretation phase of inductive Bible study is really where you can kind of become a good exegete. All right. And it's just a $10 fancy word for a person who basically you're digging through the text to see you are allowing the text, the meaning of the text to lead out as opposed to you putting the meaning into the text. 
You can't make it mean what you want it to mean. It has to mean what God intended for it to mean. And so exegesis is where we can really start to dig in and take into account different contexts that actually affect the meaning of this passage. So that means you need to look at the historical context. Like, where is this in history? What is going on? Even geographical. Like, if there is, if you know a book like Philippians, okay, this is written to the people at Philippi. Where is Philippi? What What is interesting about them? You know, how are they connected? Are they close to the Romans? Would their, would their culture be the same? And so, like, that's something that you want to look at, too, the cultural context. And then, also, you want to look at the literary context. I hear that our good friend Christy Anyabwile has been on the podcast, and she talked about Bible genres. And that is a good thing that you want to pay attention to because actually understanding what genre a passage is is also going to help you in terms of how you interpret that. You can't take a parable and make it an epistle, basically. An epistle, most of the time, those are what we call didactic types of messages or teachings. Uh, and they're intended to teach, to impart something in a very specific way. And it's I, I would say there is no symbolism or allegories or anything like that when you're typically looking at epistles. It is what it is. What he said is what he said. Whereas parables, they are stories that are intended to teach a larger or greater lesson. And so like understanding those rules, those literary principles for looking or reading passages, those are going to help you understand what the text actually means and will help you not take a passage and apply it out of context. And so now this leads us to, as we speak of applying it, the last pillar, which is application. Only after you have done the due diligence of observing the text and interpreting the text, then you get to application. I would tell anybody, I probably spend the bulk of my time in the interpretation phase because I want to be clear that I understand what God is communicating, what his intent is in, you know, allowing this to be a part of his word. Like, let me be 100% clear before I jump over here in these waters trying to apply this text to my life or to any type of circumstance. One thing that I have seen that has been a pitfall for many women is we ready to jump, jump to that application stage, all right? We are ready to jump. We we got a problem. I'm going to go find a verse and I'm about to apply it immediately. And unfortunately, this has led many of us to misapply scripture, to misinterpret scripture. And so, like I said, I, I can't reiterate it enough. Make sure that you are observing and interpreting the text appropriately before you jump into application. And then in terms of application, I think there are different levels that you want to look at. How does this apply to the world? How does this apply to the church? What I call the big C church corporately. And then how does this apply to me 
personally? What is God calling me to do? What is this saying? What is it? What, how is this particular text informing me about who God is and my relationship with him? And so those are questions that you kind of want to ask when you are in that application phase. And that's pretty much it. It's observation, interpretation, application. And I personally think that it's hard. I ain't going to sit here and lie to you and say that you could just breeze through this. It actually takes intentionality to study. And you often have to, and I'll probably talk about this in a little bit, but like different resources and tools that you can use to help you find this information. It requires that you do a little bit of work, but the benefit, the benefit is far greater than, you know, the time that you spend doing this or the effort, the benefit that you get in return of actually knowing God's word and understanding it is absolutely wonderful. You know, it is so worth our time to put the effort in, but it is effort, right? It's not a quick process of walking Mm -hmm. through observation, interpretation, application. Um, And what we love are quick things, like the internet yes. don't make that any better Come on. <laughs> um, because we Come love on. a quick hit, but it is, how can I sit in the text? How can I really take my time reading slowly, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring my mind to the truth of the text by trying mm-hmm. to ask good questions? And that's what I really love about the inductive Bible study method is it leads us to ask good questions that don't have a starting place in us. Because Mm. like you talked about, we will be tempted to just see what the text means for us. And this process slows us down from doing that. And we get there, but we want to see what did it mean to the original audience? Who was the original audience? And so all the pieces about historical and cultural and literary background help us I, I like to say, get in a time machine, <laughs> push the rewind button yes. and be in, it, be in a space with them. I had one of my uh, mentors was just like, how, I probably just want to say this is the best way, but how selfish is it for <laughs> us to try to find something for us and not yeah. even care about who the book was written to? It's like, there are real people mm-hmm. in real situations. And the more mm-hmm. we do that, the better our understanding of scripture will be. Yeah. One of the best ways to understand the inductive Bible study method is just to do it. And so I asked Portia <laughs> to take us through a passage of scripture to just walk us through and show us what it looks like to ask observation, interpretation, application questions, and for you guys to see it in real time. As always, we will have Mm -hmm. resources in the show notes. There's a handout that goes with this study that will help give you more information. But pull out your Bibles. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're in your car, maybe you can't do this while you're listening, but follow along with us as she just walks us through the process. It is not beyond your capacity to do this. It just might take you a little time and the time is worth it because our God is worth it. So Portia, I'm giving it to you. Take us to this passage, sister. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I love what you just said about it not being beyond your capacity. I don't know why, but so many people get intimidated when you say something about studying the Bible. You would think that I told him to give me a million dollars or to do something just super extraordinary and i'm like we 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 are so intimidated by something that is so beautiful and so rich and so we are going to get to it um if you got those bibles like like elizabeth said now if you're driving don't do this now because we ain't responsible 
for 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 all of that now. <laughs> you you pause the podcast and come back when you get home, okay? All right, but if you are at home or in a space where you can open your Bibles, we're going to go to Galatians. Galatians is such a book that is just near and dear to me. Before we started the podcast, I was telling Elizabeth that this is the place where I think I actually got to know Jesus. Like I knew about Jesus. I, I knew his name. I knew things about him. But who he is and what he actually does and how he makes us right with God is, is Galatians is one of those places where I saw that. Okay, so let's dig in. To start off, the first thing that you want to do is read the passage. Reading the passage is a part of that observation phase, okay? And so I'm going to read the Christian Standard Bible has been my jam lately, but I will I, let me add this note. One of the things that I also do during the observation phase is I read in different versions. So I may read in the Christian Standard Bible, then I'll turn around and do ESV, and then I might do NLT because reading in different versions sometimes helps us to gain better clarity on what is actually being said. I grew up as a, a child of the King James Version, and if I'm honest, I, I just did not understand the King James Version. I felt like a lot of times I was reading the original Hebrew or Greek because I just, I don't speak old English. And so the first time I got my hands on a translation that was written like how I talk today, it was life changing. And so I encourage you to get to invest in a translation that that is easy for you to understand. You can always graduate. I remember I cut my teeth on the NLT. OK, that's where I really started digging into my my Bible. But then I, I transitioned. And so now I, you know, I, I read mostly from the CSB or the NASB, New American Standard Bible. And so you you are free to change at any point, but just make sure that whatever you are reading the text in is something that you can understand. All right, so let's read first 10 verses. That's what we're going to focus on today in Galatians chapter one. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches in Galatia, grace to you and peace from God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, the will of our God and Father. To him be glory be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse six, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if 
anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. God's word for God's people. Okay, Amen. so Paul is snapping, all right, at the gate, all right, <laughs> at the gate. So here is something, uh, as you read, as I even as I was reading this then, in my mind, I was already making note of stuff. So he comes out. Some of the questions that you can start, begin to start asking is what I call the who, what, when, where, and like either the, the why, okay? So the who is, who is he, he writing to? Who is writing, okay? We know, and some of the, like I said, these are just contextual things that we can see off the, off the rip. This book is called Galatians. So we know that he is writing to the Galatians. This is a letter to the Galatians. He's announcing all of this. We can talk, we can find this out in the first three verses. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead. And then he says, and all the brothers who are with me, which lets us know it ain't just him by himself. Okay. He got some people with him. All right. And he, he refers to them as brothers. So we know that these are people of the faith. Just to give you a little bit of backdrop. Most of the time, Paul had a companion with him, whether it was Luke or whether it was Epaphroditus or whoever it was. There were even people that he had who he dictated his text to because he didn't often write these letters out by hand. Sometimes he dictated it to somebody else. And occasionally, if you look in some of his other epistles, you'll see where he says, now you see where I am writing with such large letters that let the audience know that he was physically writing that part. But everything else he would dictate to the person who was writing out, I want to say typing as if they had computers, <laughs> but the person who was writing out his particular letter or what he was saying. Okay. And so he's basically letting us know, this is Paul. I'm, I'm writing, he says, to the churches, of Galatia. So this lets you know, he says churches of Galatia. So this is a region base basically. And these are groups that he has ministered to or has come and basically planted churches. He shared the gospel. Okay. Now where these are specifically, there is some, I guess you could say speculation. People have different theories, but we do know that it was the area of Galatia. Okay. And this is where things like maps, this is a tool. Remember I talked about earlier how tools help us to better understand what's going on. I'm so curious that when I start seeing things, it's like, I want to know where this is and what it is in proximity to. And so what is also helpful is looking at like timelines and maps to see when did he write this letter? When did he originally minister or, you know, share the gospel with this church. So you'll see as we continue to read, this is not Paul's first communication with the Galatians. 
He had already been with them before. He had already shared the gospel with them. So he's writing them a letter now as a follow-up because of a problem, all right? And you, if you heard me reading, you can already see what that problem is. So let's keep going. So he's announced himself. He's come out the gate as Paul. He's saying, I'm an apostle and I ain't sent by no human, but I'm, I'm sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father. And then he letting you know who, who these people are. God who raised him from the dead. I am being sent by the real ones, okay? Not the fake ones. That's what he, and it's interesting. I'm so on my soapbox right now, but I can't help it, y'all. But it is so interesting the way that he comes out the gate, because if you go and look at some of these other epistles and the way that Paul starts them off, he doesn't start off as aggressively as he does. He only spent a couple of sentences here doing his little platitudes and his introduction. And then he immediately goes into verse six. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So it's like he starts off and he makes it clear who he is, who sent him. He gives honor and praise. This is really like a doxology in verses three, four, and five. So he recognizes God and gives him glory. And then he skips all the other. Normally, he says in his other epistles, he'll be like, oh, thanks. Thanks be to God for you. And all of these, you know, very sweet, beautiful, frilly, very good words. But they're, they're, they're not like this. Soon as he gets done with this doxology, he snaps. And he says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from the one who called you to a different gospel. So what does this tell us? Apparently what's going on here is so serious that Paul ain't even got time to, he ain't got time to waste. He can't, he can't, he, he, he need to get to the matter at hand. All right. And so. As we're observing, like I said, we go through and we see uh, one of the things that I would do. Look at how many times he mentions the word gospel. Just in, in two to three verses, look at how he's mentioning. He says they turn to a different gospel. One, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So what, what is this about? We see already that this letter is about the gospel and a problem that has occurred with these people turning to something that they think is the gospel, but it's not. All right. Now, if we look in verses eight and nine, remember, I said you always want to pay attention. And we even see I'm looking at eight and nine again. We see gospel. He's mentioned gospel. That's five times right there that he, he's already mentioned gospel. But also in verses eight and nine, he talks about, he says, if anyone, if even if an angel from heaven or anybody preaches a different gospel than the one that you originally got from me, the true gospel, he says, a curse be on him. And then he takes time to reiterate that by saying the same thing. That is something that we want to pay attention to. That is a repeated phrase, which means that he is emphatically communicating that this is a problem. Also, I'll put this in here. I don't want to intimidate you, but one of the things that you want, a resource that you want to start looking into 
is lexicons and Bible dictionaries and even things that can help you start to get into Greek words, Greek, what the, the original languages of the Bible, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. This word here where he says a curse be on him in the Greek, that word is anathema. And when we hear that, have you ever heard somebody say, yo, that, 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 that person, just an anathema. That conveys the seriousness of the issue. Oh, this is a problem, okay? If, if something is an anathema, it is bad. So he is basically saying anybody who preaches a different gospel, they are an anathema, okay? A curse be on them, all right? This is not anything to play with. So he is using some very serious and strong language out the gate, which underscores the fact that we we need to perk up. We need to pay attention because there is a reason why he is saying this. And then in verse 10, he goes, he's like, for am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So this is where he's basically saying, look, I understand you taking in everything that I'm saying right now, but I want you to understand that I'm not doing this. Ain't no person. And look at my broken English. There is not a person who is trying to push me up to do this. I am communicating what I am communicating to you right now because I am a servant of Christ. So Paul is basically compelled by Christ to come to the Galatians and to address this problem of them receiving and accepting a distorted gospel. Not that it's a gospel anyway, like he said, it, it ain't even no gospel at all, but you think that's what it is and it's not the truth. All right. So I kind of did our little observation and, and interpretation uh, together for the sake of time. But these are some of the things that you want to look at. You, you like this is how you pay, pay attention to the text. One of the resources that I would love to commend to you. I hope you don't mind, Elizabeth, is I love this little rose book of Bible charts, maps and timelines. Like this is my little companion when I'm reading the Bible because I want to know what's going on and looking at timelines, looking at charts, maps, these things. And even like it has some backdrop for the book so that you can understand what's going on. It gives you a little bit of like historical context. Some of us don't have the resources to have or don't have the financial resources to invest in a lot of these different tools that you need to be able to dig into the text. But this little Rose Bible book was at Walmart for $14, okay? We'll go in there and spend $14 on a pair of shoes or something else. Put your $14 to the side and invest in something like this. And, and, and as you grow, you can continue to add resources, tools that are going, going to help you dig in, okay? But even if you don't have that, you can start as simple as your Bible or good study Bible and pens, pencils, highlighters, things like that to notate the text. But the thing is you want to pay attention. That's the thing. I think all too often we passively read and we don't understand. There's a dip. Now don't get me wrong. Bible reading is good. Like you, you want to just have times where you read, but reading and actually studying, studying is different in that you are now 
meditating on the scriptures. You are actually thinking on the scriptures. You are digging in and you are paying active attention to what is being said. So like I said, just here in 10 verses, we can see there's so much that we could dig through. There are so many different things that we could look at and say, all right, why is he communicating in this way? You know what I'm saying? What is the purpose? But just in these 10 verses, we found out a lot. We found out who wrote this. We found out who he wrote it to. We found out why he wrote it because they out here believing a different, that ain't a gospel, but a different gospel. Okay. We, we like all of the, we, we found out regional things. He's like to the churches in Galatia. We found out even things about God. This helps us answer questions about who God is. Who is he? Okay. God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit. Okay. The father sent the son. Even in the first, first verse we see in the father raised the son from the dead. And then look at verse four where he says, who gave him Jesus. Okay. Let's back up. Verse three, grace and peace from God, the father, our Lord. Y'all heard it? From God, the father and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Then he says, who is Jesus who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age? Why did he do it? According to the will of our God and father. So that in itself is some rich doctrine about who God is, who he is and what he does and how he makes us right with him. So, I, I mean, I, there's so much that I could unpack, but I think this is just a little snippet of what it looks like to actually dig in and to work through inductive Bible study. You observe the text, you read the text, then you start to dig in and say, what is he communicating? And then you start saying, okay, what does this say about God? What does this say about me? All right, here's an implication right here. We see that humans are prone to mess up. This this is this is a text that is informing the nature of humanity. We are prone to mess up. These folks received the gospel and just as quick as they received it, they were being led astray by people who were distorting the gospel. That's another implication in the text that we see here is there are false teachers. There are people out here who distort the truth. We need to beware. So that is some, that's an application that we can take, take away. Beware of people out there who distort the gospel. Beware of your proclivity to follow behind somebody who is a distorter of the gospel. Another application that we can take away from here, don't be a distorter of the gospel. Why? Because he said, a curse be on him. You want to bring curses on yourself? Distort the gospel. Distort the gospel. So this is this is something that we want. He takes seriously the gospel and the truth of it, the purity of it. And nobody, not even an angel, has the right to preach a different gospel, a gospel contrary to what has been revealed or what has been accomplished by Jesus Christ. Last application that we could get from this, verse 10. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? That's a question we need to ask. What, who, who are we doing this for? Am I just trying to persuade people or am I living for God? When we are compelled to open our mouths and say things, who are we really doing it for? 
Are we doing it for the hand claps of man? Or are we striving to please God? Are we being servants of Christ? Paul is saying here, I'm a servant of Christ. You know what I hear? If I had to put this in my own little terms, what I hear when he's saying this, I know y'all mad because I just said this, but guess what? I'm trying to please God. I'm a servant of Christ. So I got to tell you what I got to tell you, even though y'all probably mad that I'm snapping off like this right now. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I, that's what he communicated. That's how I sound in my head. He's like, I'm not trying to please people or persuade people. I'm striving to please God. And so that should be our aim as well. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll pause there and let Elizabeth jump in. But I think that's a, a quick roundabout way of just walking through the text and paying attention and looking and seeing what's going on and seeing how it applies to us, how every word in the scriptures are meaningful and are useful for us. I'm reminded of what 2 Timothy 3.16 of where it talks about all scripture is profitable for, for teaching, for reproof. Like there, there is not a wasted word in the Bible. And I think we see that with, with just examining these 10 verses in Galatians 1. To see repeated words, to read through the passage multiple times, to ask good questions about who is this person? Why are they writing to this particular audience? Kind of what's the tone that they have in the language that they're using? What problem are they trying to point towards? We know with Paul's letters that he's writing to the churches or church leaders for a reason. Like all of this, all of what you saw Portia go through. And first of all, I'm going to say, what you y'all just heard is someone who it's in now. You can tell the text is in Portia and she really knows this passage because it just flows out. But she just walked through it slowly, asking good questions, paying attention to things that are highlighted in the text where they're repeated words, questions about the author, questions about the audience. And then how does that point us back to God, right? Everything mm-hmm. in there. She pulled out so many nuggets. Even this, who are we striving to please? Are we striving to please the Lord? Yes. Are we striving to please other people? All of it is meant to help us meditate on the truth of who God is, pointing us to his character and how we can live out and his people in his world. And what the inductive Bible study method does is it gives us the tools to slow down. It gives us some structure and it does a good job at making sure we start with God before we start with ourselves. And I'm going to tell yes. y'all, it is slowing down that has been transformative in my personal relationship with the Lord. And really just to not read it and go on to something else, but as you read it in the Holy Spirit, because our reading of the text is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he just captures your heart for, man, am I walking in the truth of the gospel? Or am I walking in another truth? Am I being swayed mm. by the things I hear in the culture? Or am I holding fast to the truth of the gospel? And when Paul says, if you go to another gospel, it ain't no other gospel. You know, you can you can see, even in our culture, the damage that gets done when people believe in things that kind of look like Jesus, but aren't really Jesus. And so Paul's passion is coming from a place because he knows what his folks are in danger of walking into and really losing out on. But all of this comes from just sitting with the text, y'all. And so when yes. it comes to studying our Bibles... We ask good questions and those good questions point us to who God is, who we should be, and what it means for us to live in this world. And the inductive Bible study method helps us do that in a really, really vibrant way, y'all. And this is a lot of really good Bible teachers, theologians, like 
for years upon years upon years. So just so if you thinking me and Portia just made this up on our own, we did not. <laughs> There's some really good just uh, resources that point to it. Even if we did make it up, though, it was still good. But we did it. We did it. Um, and Portia, <laughs> you mentioned some tools uh, as you were going through mm-hmm. the passage. Are there any other tools that you think would be essential for someone who wants to start learning this method or even certain Bible studies authors mm-hmm. that this is how they write their studies. And this is a good place for you to go if you want to mm-hmm. learn, have a guide for the journey. So as, as it pertains to tools, even before I go into tools, I think I want to say this because this isn't a tool, but it's so necessary for just building good Bible study habits and really understanding like, what we are partaking in when we study the scriptures, prayer. Like you have to pray. <laughs> like You have to pray because it is the Holy Spirit that basically equips us and, and empowers us to be able to understand the truths of God. So this is not just like head knowledge and just, oh, I got to be super duper smart to dig into the Bible. No, you got to be spirit and dwelt to dig into the Bible. And so the first thing that I would offer to you is to be prayerful and to come honestly to God with saying, I remember when I first started like reading and studying the Bible, the first thing that I was, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm looking for, you know, so what I'm reading. So I, I need help. I need you to guide me through this. And then the second thing that I would often go to God with was my lack of desire to even want to be in the scriptures. So when I first started, I was doing it from a place of duty, honestly, because the Lord had allowed me to come to the end of myself through a variety of circumstances. And I was desperate. And so I went back to whatever, what I knew, what mama and grandma was saying, read your Bible. I didn't know what I was reading. I didn't even know what I was looking for, but I knew that I needed God and I needed to hear him speak clearly. And I knew that I could find that in the word of God. And so that is why I like my, my heart was help me, Lord. I don't know, but also Lord, Help me to desire your word more than I desire anything else, because this is where I truly find life. This is where I find peace. This is where I can have my my heart and my mind shaped to what is really true, because we are prone to wonder. We are prone to forget. And so you have to just your your Bible study time has to be prayer saturated. If you're just jumping in with your head and you think I got this because I know it, you setting yourself up for failure, boo boo. And that's all I'm gonna say. You setting yourself up for failure. So pray and be sincere about seeking the hand of God on your studies. Then from there, I would say, like I said, there are an insurmountable amount of tools out there that are available to us, many of which are free. I think of tools like Blue Letter Bible. You can go there, even like online Bibles, that many online Bibles are are free, like Bible study. I think it's BibleStudyTools.com. They have a lot of their commentaries and things on there that are free. Now, anybody who knows me knows that I am a crazy proponent of Logos Bible software. And I don't just say that 
because like they cut me a check or something like that because I've been saying this for a long time. I was cutting them checks, okay? Because every time I got an extra penny, I was adding something to my Lagos library or, you know, getting a resource. And the reason why I like Lagos is because all the things that I need to study are found right in in this software, you know, I can annotate from here. I can read different translations from here. I can look at maps. I can look at timelines. I can look at commentaries from other, you know, theologians. We didn't talk a lot about that, but commentaries are useful. But don't go to the commentary first. Wrestle with the, the, the text yourself. Read yourself. Ask questions yourself. And then you can go and look. After you've done the work, you can go and check out commentaries to see what other seasoned, you know, Bible scholars have, what they've said about the text and what, you know, what their notes are and how they have what they believe the clear or the true interpretation of the scripture is. And so there's nothing wrong with commentaries, but we need to, we don't need, we need to use them as a tool and not as a crutch. But even, even those are available in Logos Bible software. There is just so much. In fact, as I was sitting here reading and, and teaching today, I was reading from Lagos and looking at my notes and and things that I have been able to gather and glean from the scriptures from studying this passage over and over and over. I see some of the first notes and the first annotations that I ever made in this text and then just even some that I just made most recently. And so, yeah, I would say if you can make the investment and like you don't have to just I, I know I sound like a Logos salesperson, but it's just because it's been so impactful for me. And I didn't start out the gate spending thousands of dollars. I mean, it was literally, I started like $50 a month or here, you know, anytime I would get a little bit extra, I could add something to my library. And they are very good to work with you on payment plans and different things like that. And so, yeah, it's just been super helpful to build up and to use this tool in such a beautiful way. You can get a lot of these things in print as well. And so you can buy you a Bible dictionary or a lexicon. I would say there are also very good Bible study teachers who kind of already teach in this way and have some studies that, that follow this inductive Bible study method. I think of people like Jen Wilkin and Courtney Doctor and... Nancy DeMoss Wogamuth and just tons of what I call them Bible teachers, all right? Because they ain't just out here playing. They are actually exegeting and equipping you with that. And then even who we talking to right now, Elizabeth Woodson. She got some stuff out here, okay? And so, yeah, I, I encourage you to, you know, be thoughtful, be prayerful as you look into these resources. But there's so much out there. If you hungry and you, you want to find it and get it, y'all know how to jump on Google and, and search things out. Even Google is a tool that could be used for Bible study. And so, yeah, I think I think I'll end that there. <laughs> and we are going to have uh, the resources that she mentioned in the show notes. Again, I love free resources, look. And she mentioned a lot of really good ones. But 
the same way we invest in other things in our lives that we believe are worth it, that we should invest in tools to help us study the word. And it's a little bit at a time. And so to be sensitive mm-hmm. to your financial situation, we use what we have. And if you have enough uh, to be able to invest in a couple of good books and resources will really help take your study of the Bible to the next level. Thank you, Portia. You, you blessed with- us today with just showing us in a couple of verses, the beauty of what it looks like to dig deep into our text. And so as much as we are called to be the people of God, it's hard to do that if we don't know what God says and what God has spoken Mm -hmm. to us is in this word and that we would be people who study it and take the time. It is not beyond your capacity for the person who's like, yeah, y'all do this all the time. I can't do this. (laughs) We have all started in the same place. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You can do it. We started in the same place. You can do it. And that the power of the Holy Spirit goes with you and that he is not going to let his word fall void on you. And so like Portia Mm. said, we pray and we pray that God would open up our eyes and he does every time and that we will be obedient to put ourselves in front of the text, to ask him to be present with us in that moment and to be expectant to what we are going to learn from what he shows us. So thank you, Portia. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Starting Place. This podcast is designed to serve as an introduction, helping you understand and grow in your Christian faith. So if you are interested in learning more about today's topic or connecting with our guest, please check the show notes for more information. And if you are interested in supporting the work we do, we'd love it if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps other people find the show and connect with us. Until next time, grace and peace, y'all.